You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. I'm going to be iconic. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper. You can find me on X at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And I'm Cliffy D. You can also find me on X at Cliffy D. And this episode of the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast is presented by our good friends over at SportBuff, where if you use the promo code Al's Flight Deck 10 at checkout, you will save 10% off your entire order. Head on over to www.sportbuffshop.com, use the promo code, save lots of money, get some great merch, and as always, support local. Have you missed any of the episodes this year from the Alouette's Flight Tech Podcast? Well, no need to worry. You can head over to our archive and catch all seven plus years of the podcast, and that's over at alouettesflighttech.ca. You can also find us on social media and find us over on, on X, and that's at Alouette's FL Deck. Facebook, you can find us over at Alouette's Flight Deck Pod. Instagram and Threads, that can be over at Alouette's Flight Deck. YouTube, where you can find uh, all of our archives of the live, of the Flight Deck Live, of all of our audio also. Uh, you can head over to youtube.com slash Alouette's Flight Deck. Also, if you want to rep the, rep the podcast by wearing some of our merch, uh, you can do so by heading over to uh, www flightdeckgear.ca uh, and let us know that you're going to be wearing it. We'd, we'd love to know and we'd love to see and uh, you know give you guys a, a shout out for uh, for supporting the uh, for supporting the the show. And lastly, yes, I guys at least have to say it, Cliffy, because the way that we're going, it's going to be a done deal sooner or later. But yes, we are currently on Blue Sky. Um, you can find me at uh, repact r e p p a c t dot is it b l u yeah b l u dot s b l u s k y dot social uh yeah yeah b yeah, b sky b sky dot social uh you can find alouette's flight deck at alouette's fl deck dot b sky dot social and cliff it's also you're you're at cliffy d at b sky dot social right correct that's way too much to remember but <laughs> it, it, it's it's a lot to take in so i mean you could probably just do a search and you'll find us so yeah but we just... are we are in blue sky uh still waiting for twix to die a painful <laughs> death and it just like i think like herpes it's gonna be around forever but it's gonna be painful along the way is 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 my space still around <sighs> man you know <laughs> I, I miss msn messenger I miss being able to chat with people through MS MSN Messenger. Yeah, I like the MSN Messenger, but I mean, Facebook chat's pretty good, and now messages through Android's pretty good, so I can't really complain. Yeah, you know, we got to we we do got to get with the times, right? We certainly do. We certainly do. You know, for us to remember the time when we were uh, a cell phone. What's a cell phone? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm so old. I remember that cell phones were just used to make phone calls. What are phone calls? Well, ask your parents, kids, because That's, it's... Uh... Yes, yes. <laughs> Just as much as asking them what a rotary dial phone is. <laughs> or a party line. A party line. Oh, my. 
<laughs> I, I, I was waiting for the BBS. Uh, oh yeah, yeah both the BBS. I forgot the bulletin board system. I forgot about that one too, man. If anybody's got BBS, that now that's just that's Discord now. That's Discord. Pretty, pretty much, it's it's pretty evolution, much. like a Pokemon. It it just takes on a different form and a, a new name. That's... Yeah, exactly. Just just reinvented. I said, remembering the days that were flip were our flip phones. We've we've already gone past the point where. Flip phones back then are now flip phones now. So, but they're a hell of a lot better. Anyways, I digress. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, we have finished the regular season for 2023, Cliff. And unlike uh, uh, unlike how a lot of the uh, uh, quote-unquote insiders predicted it to be, the Owls had a great regular season uh, was able to finish off with a win over the Hamilton Tiger Cats this past Saturday and finish the season at eleven and seven. Uh, you know, yes, we were eleven and zero versus five hundred and below, and zero and seven versus everybody above. But, but you know what? It don't matter. We were still eleven and seven, and even though he wasn't part of the normal conversation. We still think Jason Moss should at least have been given somewhat of a a, a talk, uh, been allowed to be a part of the conversation to be coach of the year. But we're going to talk about those awards a little bit later. But it, that wasn't the case. But, I mean, overall, I mean, be honest with me. In your head, when we first started off this season, what mm-hmm. did you have in your head that the Alouette's record was going to be? Truthfully, I, I thought we were looking at another even Steven year. Like nine <laughs> so nine. was I. That's hilarious you say that. So was I. Like I, I, I looked at things and let's let's face it, the the start of the year, yeah. I can understand why everybody and their mother was like, Oh, this team's gonna be garbage. Uh, you know, they've got they've got no receivers. Jason Moss did a terrible job in Saskatchewan, and now you bring Cody Fajardo, who was absolutely terrible towards the end, and mm-hmm. uh, all these narratives and just with all the, the nonsense that went on with the ownership uh changeover and all the other extracurriculars that took place during the offseason. It's understandable to think that you know, a lot of people are going to say, oh yeah, Yellowettes are not even going to be in the conversation. They're going to be a joke. They're going to be terrible. They're going to be in 10th place of, of a nine league, <laughs> 19th league. What, they're going to be behind the Atlantic schooners? Exactly. Or Laval <laughs> or something stupid like that. Like, you know, like Any number. Relegated. Any event, a, a, a lot of people. Sport. Yeah. A lot of people had written off this team before the season even started. And I said, okay, we, we looked at the moves that were being made. I was like, okay, let's see what happens. We go to training camp. We walk away very impressed with what we saw mm-hmm. so far. Like, okay, there's something here. Now you still have to play the games. And what happened? The Alouettes got off to a great start of the season, started to falter, picked themselves back up, had another great run, started faltering again, but then finished this regular season very strong. And yeah. yes, for the first time since 2012, the Alouettes f- post an 11 and seven regular season record, their first winning season since 2019. I, I mean, listen, all the doubters, all the haters, all the critics, pretty quiet to tell you the truth. And anyone who is doubting, like you, you see a lot of mea culpas and a lot of uh, coming around, as far as uh, Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo, I mean, again, th- these guys are not perfect by any stretch, and we never promised that they would be, but you you definitely have to tip the cap to 
those two gentlemen, as well as Danny Machocha as well, who put together this team. He was this the one constant. Team. Yeah, he was the one constant, though. You never you know, new owner, new president, basically a brand new team. Danny Machocha was the one constant as far as, you know, prop obviously and the guys below him. They were the one constant. So, yeah. I mean, and they ended the season, too, with their longest winning streak since the Jonathan Crompton days, baby. <laughs> so pretty incredible, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if there's an executive of the year for the Canadian Football League, oh, yes. you really have to consider Danny Machocha for that because why is there a reward for that? There probably is, and maybe it just doesn't get the fanfare that the other awards do. But I mean, truthfully, I mean, if if there if there is, I mean, there's, I'm pretty sure there isn't, but there should be. And if there isn't, there should be, mm-hmm. and definitely Machosha has to be in consideration for it. For despite everything we talked about, he was still able to put together this team and look what they did. It wasn't pretty uh, more often than not, but my God, the work he he's done, like I, you really do have to take your hat off to him. Like I know people give him the gears for. A lot of the stuff with him back in the day and you know his time in Edmonton wasn't great, but I mean, he's taken ownership of this team as far as molding it into his image. And he, he's done a fantastic job. He really has. I mean, there's, there's no two ways about it. Every, every success that this team has had this year it is because of the moves that Danny Machocha made starting in the off season, weathering the storm of losing like the, the big name guys, and then just mm-hmm. putting together an absolutely solid roster that is now getting ready for a playoff game, it's which that nobody, no, nobody would have pred- like a lot of people just didn't want to predict that they didn't want to think that y'all was even be here at this point. Yeah. It's injuries too. I mean, look, 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 look what our six, our six game injured list looked like all year. I mean, at one point I had 16 names on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Like, to me, that says okay. Then you better have some. You better have some depth. And guess what? The Alouettes had some depth, and they we had did. some very phenomenal players. That and we got some new superstars too. Potentially some very big superstars that made their name. You know, look at Tyson Philpott's second half of the year. You know, he wasn't here for most of the first, and but you know, and Tyler Sneed and. Uh, Austin yeah, Mack. Austin. Oh yeah, Austin Mack. Who and, uh, who, who mean, came from like you know. A, a cup of coffee in the NFL to becoming the Alouettes nominee for most outstanding player. I mean, hello. I mean, that, if that's not superstar, I don't know what is mm-hmm. uh, Reggie, Reggie Stubblefield, who we've been documenting pretty much all year about how he was a, a last day training camp cut, brought him back and became, you know, not just the out, most outstanding rookie nominee for the Alouettes, but has put together a, a fantastic rookie campaign, like just yeah. mind boggling. Yeah, and, and what he's been able Cole, to accomplish. Cole Speaker, who became ba- almost a a forgotten name. You know, what he did last year in training camp didn't do much so much last year, really wasn't entering the picture this year. But once he actually got his chance, Cole also became a huge part of this offense. So, you know, he was the guy that he finally became the guy that we saw last year in camp. Yeah. And also, let's not forget, the, the moves that uh, Danny Machocha made during the season as well to strengthen this team, mm-hmm. bringing in Sean Lemon and Darnell mm-hmm. Sankey. Mm-hmm. And those two moves have paid off in spades. Uh, and even like players that we didn't expect or well, we were wondering why the hell is this guy still on the team? Machocha said, give it just, 
waited up. Trust the process. Trust the process is what they say. Uh, biggest exa- biggest and best example of that, KB and Ento. Just about to say. He, he, he went from looking really suspicious as far as uh, being a, a starting player on this team to turning himself around and playing absolutely fantastic football. Uh, also, too, a rookie that came out of nowhere and mm-hmm. did really great in this in this Alouette's defense. I mean, the, the, I mean, man, when we do our year end show, like we're going to go through a, a lot of this again. And it's just it's absolutely remarkable what this team has been able to do as they're going into the playoffs. It's just they've got the momentum right now. They've got that that good feeling. They they're they got a five game winning streak going on right now. I mean, they have done everything that they said that they were going to do. Like Darnell Sankey talked about. After that, uh, that last loss they had, they said, we're going to win the next five games, and then we're going to win the Grey Cup. Those were his words. Well, he's got one of those two down. The Alouettes won their, their last five games. Now, now, it's time, now time for his, the second part of his prediction to come true. That's right, and I'll start, so I'll start this week. Now, I, you know, you and I lament the, day, you know, the days that uh, these games that – they're basically glorified preseason games. And I think what's funny is that, you know, over the last couple of times that we've had, had these, I think the one that really sticks out in my mind was the one, uh, I think it was 2013, I think, um, versus Toronto. Actually, I have to go back and check, check the stats, but it, where it's basically, you know, games that mean nothing in the standings. This one was slightly different. You know, I was, I was going into this game thinking like, Oh God, you know, there's nothing on the line for this. And, that wasn't the case at all. No matter, I mean, basically, most of the Alouette starters played at least a quarter, if not longer. And that was that was really the wide receiver core. Um, you know, even though Hamilton did rest a lot of their you know leading guys, and they made there were a few few surprises. This game was it was a very good game. It really was, and as I said, you know, you'll, I kind of you know it's like I want my money back. This is one of those games where I didn't really want my money back because I had a great time. The Owls played, you know, you know, win or lose, they played great. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, to me, it, extending their win streak, momentum into the playoffs, I, again, probably one of the few times that that I'm going to say, you know what? Oh, this was a a meaningless game at the end of the regular season. Okay, really didn't feel like it. I don't. I don't know how. How did you feel about it? Well, let's not forget, too, the Yellow are coming off a bye, so it made sense they were going to have all their starters playing. Just didn't have to play for very long because, you're right, the game meant nothing as far as the standings go. You knew the Yellow were going to finish no worse than 10-8 and eight or 11-7 and seven for the regular season. That That's pretty much what the, the prize was, so to speak, other than the fact that it's just a regular game and you still get a paycheck for it. So, I mean, if you're not motivated by that, folks, I don't know what you can be motivated by, yeah. but... For, for the Alouettes to, to come in and play this game the way they did, especially during, versus Hamilton, who they're going to be facing in a week's time in the Eastern semifinal at Percival Molson Stadium. It was... It, I, I'm sure it, you, you want to be excited. You want to be ready for this game, the, the, this last regular season game. At the same time, though, you, you don't want to throw everything out there. I mean, I, I was expecting this to be a very bland, vanilla game as far as offense defense like everything goes because nobody wants to get hurt nobody wants to do anything stupid nobody wants to jeopardize this team so you just kind of you you, you almost couldn't blame them if they were just going to go through the motions and just do whatever they could to just get through this game if we win great if we lose whatever 
doesn't change anything in the grand scheme of things. There's that, but there's there seemed to be that thought process. Of, okay, they're, they're coming off the bye week. Make sure everybody gets some work in. Like get get that muscle memory back. Make sure that they you know not that you're going to get complacent. I think at this time of year, and a lot of the players too did stay in Montreal during their bye week. Like I don't think I really don't know if anybody went home or did anything like that. Like and truthfully, why would you? I think at this point, I think re- you got to realize at this point what you're playing for mm-hmm. and the significance of you know the fact that you're about to go into a playoff game and compete eventually for the Grey Cup. You want to make sure you're that's where your mind's at rather than going home because let's face it, you could go home anytime when you think about it. So I, I think the Elwets handled it the right way. I think they've they, they played their starters the right way. They got everybody else involved. They got other people in there to get them some meaningful reps as well. I, I think the way they handled this game was great. And the fact that they got the win is a nice bonus. It, it is pretty cool to be able to say that this team went. 11 and seven, especially as we talked about earlier, a lot of people were expecting this team to be far, far worse. Yeah. And, you know, for a bland game, as I mentioned uh, during flight deck live, that wasn't the case of this game. And as I said, the, the, the team broke out all of our favorite hits from this season, including some <laughs> we didn't expect to see either. It again, I think that's what, you know, made the game so much fun. You know, the 16,000 plus that showed up, even though it was a chilly night or the temperature dropped drastically during the game. Mm-hmm. You know what? People still stayed and they had fun. I mean, you know, people, I've seen people comment on again, you know, the, you know, again, the owls breaking out the, the onside punt. <laughs> well, why? Why didn't you say? You know, first thing. First, I'm gonna go. Ah, oh, you gotta get rid of this rule. Get, get the hell out of here. It's a part of the CFL. You gotta. It gives. And I think we we said this to was it to, to Coach Ma. We said it to Coach Moss, where you you post game where you gotta keep teams guessing. It's another yep. wrinkle that they've added into their repertoire, and to show even in a meaningless game to show that there is a way that they have found that secret sauce, you know, how to convert a second and long with one simple one yard kick. Yeah. And the cojones to pull that off again. I mean, the first time was outstanding. They've they've done it three times this year. They've had, I don't, I'm, I've reached out to Steve Daniel, by the way, I'm trying to find out before the Owls attempted it versus BC at BC. When was the last time, if ever, it was attempted? And once I find out, I'll make sure I, I, I put it on social. But again, they tried it three times this year. They were two for three. Actually, I can tell you one time that uh, we were. Well, I, I I was at the the game when it happened, okay. the uh, 2014 Eastern semifinal. BC attempted that, and really. They failed and ended up with a no yards penalty as a result, giving Montreal the ball back very, very much in, 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 you know, in scoring range for them. So 2014 East final Eastern semifinal against BC. I'm going to have to look it up. So everybody, you, if you're listening, don't pause the show. Go check afterwards. The game's on YouTube for Christ's sake. So (laughs) yeah, no, it was, uh, same idea. It was second and long. Uh, Travis Lilly, I think, passed. I think it was to Ernest Jackson. Who, oh, who attempted man. It. 
of, of all people, Al- Alouette's legend, Ernest Jackson. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, and, and Wally was the head coach, right? What? Yeah, Wally was head coach. Yeah, so it, why not? It makes a ton of sense. Somebody who knows the rule book. Who that's better? A, quite frankly, that's amazing. I'm mean, I gotta go. I gotta go check that out. But either way, again, to try. But still, going back to my point, three times this year, Cliff, they tried it, yep. and, and again to try it to be ballsy enough to try it again. You know, you know why? Why do you want to go ahead and give away the uh, play during a meaningless game? Again, it it make you have the problem every time if the Owls go to a second and long, or a second and ten plus, what's going to happen? Is it going to be a run? Is it going to be a pass? Is it going to be? A, is it going to be an onside punt? Yep. In fact, I, I even said to uh, Coach Moss, "I mean, the Alouettes make it to the Great Cup. I don't care how you you got to bust <laughs> out out again. If you don't, we're going to be a little disappointed." And he started chuckling, like, mm-hmm. "Might have to. Might just have to." <laughs> but I mean, from that and and James Lecter getting a return touchdown, you know, ever since uh, since. Uh, since you know we've, you know, since Chandler went down, he's he's been he's been a godsend. And again, he's a guy that last camp was not seeing it right. And I think he was talking about it uh, two weeks ago when he was on the the Mark Cast where he had an interview there. He, he you know he talked about that. I mean it it it. Uh, and you and I have talked about it before. It's a different dude. It's a different guy from training camp. So yeah, we, and we spoke to him after the game too, and it, mm-hmm. it just first of all, it's amazing his second consecutive TD return. That's right. And I, I just said to him, like, what, what, what do you attribute it to? Like, the, and he he gives full credit to his special team, his his teammates, like the special the other special teamers, like they created the lane for him, and he just hit the hole and found found the crease and just you know took it to the house. Simple as that. I mean, it's. Sometimes that's all that's all it comes down to. And I even told him, like, you know, we we knew there was something special there. We saw it the, that that second game in Ottawa. Um, you know, like he had a couple of great returns there. Uh Thanksgiving Day game in Montreal, a couple of stutter steps, had a, an okay-ish kind of return, but just you, you knew something was gonna happen. And then mm-hmm. sure enough, we go out to Edmonton and he 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 returns 125 yards. Back to the house, absolutely <laughs> off a of missed field goal. This time around, it was a punt return, or it was a punt return touchdown. Uh, I think ninety nine yards, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Ninety nine, just the shy again of a hundred. Yeah. So uh, the, sometimes the sequel doesn't always be, isn't always be as good as the original. But tell you what, I mean that that was still electric. I mean that's this still got everybody hyped, and that was I'll, I'll go as far as say that was probably the TSN turning point for the Alouettes this past Saturday was. Letcher being able to take that back to the house, his second return TD in, in consecutive weeks. I mean, well, not really consecutive weeks because they were on the bye, but it basically, but it, th- people need to remember too, it negated it basically with him returning that for a touchdown. It negated the one that Hamilton had. Yep. I mean, this was quite the game for, uh, if, if you, if you like return <laughs> kicks for touchdowns, this was the game. I mean, unfortunately uh, it was Tyreek McAllister who, returned it after a missed David Cote field goal. And that kind of took the wind out of the sails just a little bit, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, credit to Letcher for being able to bring us all right back into it with that absolutely electric run. I mean, that was absolutely phenomenal. And folks, I don't think he's done yet. I, I think he's got at least one more in him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, let's get in, let's just get into the quick things because okay, these yes these stats count, but it was you know it's like eh you know, uh, <laughs> um, it, it, it is it, it is what it is. Let's talk about the way this game opened. I mean, literally opening kickoff. No kidding. Hamilton fumbles the ball <laughs> deep in Montreal territory, and by whom? Hashtag the Quow. Marc-Antoine Decoy punches the ball out. Montreal recovers, like just sets the tone immediately. Like mm-hmm. That You couldn't ask for better than that. And, you know, leading into uh, you know, Cody Fajardo throwing uh, another, yet another touchdown to Tyson yeah. Philpott. Yeah. Keeping that streak going, keeping that relationship alive and well. I mean, that's just absolutely phenomenal. Like just the, 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 the way that Tyson has been able to find that chemistry with Cody is it's been fantastic to watch week after week after week. It's, it's, I'll go so far as to say that's a big part of that five game winning streak is the fact that you, you see that connection between Fajardo and, and Phil pot. It's, and again, could not come at a better time. And that's essentially what you want. Like Cody's been able to great, be able to find all of his receivers and be able to move the ball extremely well at the best of times. And just being able to get that connection with, with Tyson Phil pot, Absolutely outstanding. And I fully expect to see more of that as, as, as these playoffs continue. I mean, I I would not be surprised to see that yet again this coming Saturday. Oh, oh, yeah. I just said it. It's going to be obviously all the starters are going to be playing uh, rumors of, of possibly a, 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 a platoon quarterback situation in Ham for Hamilton. Okay. Um, it's playoffs. Like, I, I, oh, anyways. Um, Cody Fajardo, six of eight cliff for 55 yards in that one touchdown. Uh, then Caleb Evans came in. He was five of 10 for 30 yards. And then Davis Alexander came in. He was five for six for 51. And, and, and what was cool is how Davis, his first, Davis's first pass, which it doesn't show here is that it was, it was the two point convert after the Letcher touchdown. Yep. And, and that put the owls up at the time, 1913. So, uh, you know, again, all the guys got some work. All our running backs got some work that were that were activated mm-hmm. for the game. Um, so you can't complain. Like Stanbeck led the team forty-eight yards on seven carries. That average is six point nine. Longest run was twenty-three. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jeshwin Antwi had eighteen yards, and then the smattering between David Delaire. Cody Fajardo and Caleb Evans. Let's um, hold on. Let's talk about uh, Jeshua Antwi. Did mm-hmm. you see the way he broke that guy's ankles? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, just <laughs> absolutely outstanding. I mean, this Antwi has had himself a year this year. He he has looked so phenomenal. I mean, remember uh, this, this, from- this was this, this was this this was Antwi was this running back. You remember two years was it two years ago? Season finale versus Ottawa. Auto. Fumbles with them driving, and and he's been he's been so good since, so good since. So, yeah, you know, I mean, credit, he's, credit he's, to the, the work that he's done this and improving himself, second to none. Like he's mm-hmm. he he really has been outstanding. Like just when you you talk about the three hundred monster in the backfield, William Stanback, Walter Fletcher, and Jeshwin Antwi. He's a big part of that as well. Like he may not get the the love necessarily that Stanback does, and 
you know, I, I think Walter Fletcher has been a little bit more of a, a, a overall playmaker as far as, you know, both uh, receiving and, and rushing, mm-hmm. but Antwi, man, he, he just does a lot of the, a lot of the good stuff, uh, just hard, solid runs. He, he finally got his first touchdown this year as well. And of course the onside punt, the, you know, he, unfortunately he's one for one or one for two, I should say on uh, onside punts. It's um, true. So, I mean, at least he was able to pull it off this year. So I, I'll give him all the credit. I mean, like, man, you you, almost, you could have almost made a case for Antwi being like the most outstanding player for the Alouettes this year, just based on a lot of the stuff he was been able to pull off this season. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, the leading receiver was, we are talking about him before, Cole Speaker. Uh, four to four yards on, on six carries. Um, uh, Tyler Sneed, 37. Um, Austin Mack, we were hoping he was going to be able to, to move up that, that you know, the, the, the leader list, three targets, not a single yard, uh, not a single uh, catch or yard. Um, yeah. Closest was that one where he caught the ball, then he was popped really hard, uh, where he dropped the ball. Um, but, you know, uh, Phil Pot, 16 yards, a, a TD, Antwi, 18 yards, Stanback, 13. Uh, uh, Regis Sibisu had one catch for four, and then Letcher also had one for uh, for four. Again, everybody got in some work. Nobody seems to have gotten hurt uh, on the uh, uh, on the wide receiver core, so I, I can't complain. Um, I know the Owls did not come away unscathed, though, when it came to injuries, did we? No, unfortunately not. Uh, yeah, uh, Pierre Olivier Lestage suffered a pretty bad, uh, pretty bad uh, leg injury. Uh, or should we say lower body injury mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, to the point where it's there's a very good chance he may not even be playing in the Eastern semifinal this Saturday. I, I sincerely hope that's not the case. Maybe it's just a matter of just let him rest and hopefully he'll be ready to go. But yeah, that is something the Alouettes are going to have to consider. And let's not forget that uh, Lestage was nominated as the most outstanding offensive lineman this year, but uh, uh, this is now a chance for a lot of these other guys that have been sort of waiting in the wings. Like, now they're going to have to step up. And I think that's been pretty much the case this season with a lot of the, uh, not just offensive linemen, but a lot of the players this year is just, it's that next man up mentality. Like someone goes down, your number's about to be called. You better be ready. And I think that's, that's going to hold true for the offensive line as well. I mean, it's, uh, I, I felt like this game and maybe just simply because it was a quote unquote glorified preseason game. Mm-hmm. I felt the offensive line was a little bit, a little too lax for my liking. Like, like, I understand. Nobody wants to get hurt, especially after seeing what happened to Lestage. It's even more so. You 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 don't want to do anything risky, but at the same time, your quarterback is getting sacked out there, and that it is bringing back bad memories from earlier this season when it felt like oh. everybody and their mother got a, a sack on Fajardo. I yeah, mean, one was a pretty good pop too. One, was, one really yeah. was. So yeah. and and can't forget about uh, somebody who just come off the sixth game was Tyrell Richards. Uh, I think a yeah. calf or lower lower <laughs> lower body injury. Man, he he has just been snake bitten uh, in his professional career. I mean, la- his rookie season last year didn't get a whole lot of playing time due to injury. This year, he comes into camp, looks phenomenal, plays outstanding football. Like the first half of the season, like he was just playing like his hair is on fire. Uh, even getting a pick six in Winnipeg, if you could believe that. I mean, mm-hmm. that, like, and, it, and that's where. It went because he gets his first game, first pick six. 
he gets hurt and now he gets hurt again. I feel bad for the dude. Uh, just, yeah, I was looking at the injury report this week. It doesn't look good, but anyways. But Like I said, it, it, it's tough because, you know, a lot of people are going to want to call him a bust as, at this point. I'm like, no, that, no, no he's no. not a bust. Injury prone is. We've had probably, worse, dude. Oh, my God. The Owls in their history have had worse. They have. And again, I. I bust. Have, there's no, bust there's, that is worse. Bust. Not because Ty, I think it's still easily, easily become a household name. Without question, I, I I think again these are just minor setbacks for him. I I think he's he's proven that he can play at this level. He definitely belongs on this team, no doubt. And again, like you think about this linebacking core, like how how deep and how talented they are, and what they've been able to accomplish this year. And Tyrell has been a big part of that. Like I said, that the the, the first part of the season has been uh, has featured him very heavily, and he is he's he's risen to the occasion. Like he he shows that he wants to be a part of this and he has played outstanding football as a result. So again, hopefully this is just another minor setback. Uh, one of many for this, uh, this young man. And all we can do is just hope that he heals up and just comes back stronger than ever. Yeah. And, and it's funny uh, after the uh, game, uh, game ending uh, interception, uh, It, uh, who was it? It was a Reggie Stubblefield looking at it. He was a you know turf monster thing, but he seemed to be okay post game. He's something happened there. We don't know what the hell happened, but he seemed to be okay. A little friendly um, fire, I think, because yeah. again, Taylor Powell just kind of launched a prayer towards <laughs> a whole bunch of Hamilton players and Montreal players, including Sankey, managed to get their hands on the ball. And yeah, I think Reggie yeah. just kind of got tied up in it. And yeah, you know, it happens. I mean, yeah. Um, and we can't say enough about the defense again. I mean, KB and we're talking about him before KB and Ento with the uh, what type? What, what, what would we call that interception? Really, wasn't a tip drill. Um. <laughs> nope, just kind of bounced off of a helmet and like it's it like a fly ball in center field. He was just wasn't it off it. of the Owls defender? I swear uh. it bounced off the Owls defender. Didn't go off the Hamilton player. I swear it went off the Owls defender helmet, and yeah. then Ento was right there. In any event, it, it was hilarious how it just. Yeah, just a, a called a lucky bounce, and even uh, Kabian afterwards had said, "Yeah, just right place at the right time." He just happened to be there to get the mm-hmm. interception, and it, just as Hamilton was starting to build up a little bit of momentum as well, I mean, it was just a very timely interception that gave Montreal the ball back, which eventually led to them taking the lead for good. So that yeah. that was absolutely outstanding. And again, we'll we'll talk about this. More towards the end of the year, but yeah, Kabinento, man, he is just really, he he has really been something special this year for the Alouettes, and yeah. it, it's it's so funny that we, so many people, us included, were just wondering like, what the hell is this guy doing on this team? But yeah, my God, he has really turned it, things it, around. He yeah, ever since really that bye, ever since that that second bye week, ever since yep. the second bye week, some some just, you know, uh, switch was flipped. Uh, yep. Sean Sean Lemon, another sack. You know, the mm-hmm. d- defense had two sacks this week. I was did give up three, so I didn't give up over sixty on the year. I think it was just over six or just at sixty. Very close too, but uh, yeah. uh Lawal Ugalak had one, had a sack also. So no there's another rookie. Yeah, another yeah. another fantastic find. Mm-hmm. And uh, another guy too that uh a lot of people weren't too sure about when uh, Danny Machocha selected him in the uh, first round and like who 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 is this really mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. but man he he's been just absolutely outstanding and once again 
credit to Sean Lemon for taking him under his wing and showing him the ropes. Like I, I think that's where a lot of Ugalak's success has been this year is the fact that he's been able to be mentored by a, a, an out, outstanding defensive lineman like Sean Lemon and Almondo Sewell. Like getting, you know, sitting under their learning tree has to have been phenomenal for this young man. And you see the work he's been putting in week in and week out. He's just looked outstanding. Like you, you could definitely have made a case for him for most outstanding rookie too. I mean, the, the, truthfully, I mean, he's, he's just been, he's been all that. And once again, it's still going like he, uh, he could be one of those honest to goodness game breakers. And it's just a matter of just the right opportunity has to come along for him. And he's made the most of it. Like he's gotten in there, he, he working in the trenches, doing the dirty work. Like he has, he has answered the call every single time. And it is, it's been so much fun to see. Yep, sure. Um, again, Al's knock off Hamilton twenty two twenty, finished regular season at uh, eleven and seven. Last thoughts, Cliff, on this game before we go into what can be a little bit of a contentious uh, subject here when it comes to the uh, to the CFL Player Awards. Um, mm. Any last words though on this on this game before we put it to bed? Before we put the regular season to bed. <laughs> Well, that's it, right? I mean, it's just going into this game, like I said, we we had our thoughts about how we feel about these glorified preseason games, but you said it best. I mean, it ended up being a lot of fun. It was a great atmosphere at the stadium. Uh, players talking with them after the game, uh, you could tell that they were feeling good, very relieved to get, get this over with, get, finally get the, as you said, put the regular season to bed and mm -hmm. now focus on the Eastern semifinal. Like you knew you're facing, you're facing these guys in a week's time. It's just now it becomes a matter of, okay, you did the thing. You've beaten them three times this year. Uh, unquestionably you've won the season series, but now you got to do it when it truly counts. And, you know, if, if they can put in another performance like they did this coming Saturday that they did last week, then yeah, Montreal will move on. That's that's really what it comes down to. Now, let's not forget, Hamilton played a pretty solid game, all things considered. Yep. Uh, left a lot of their uh, their stars, it felt like, uh, off to the side. Like It was kind of weird. No Matthew Schiltz, no Tim White, no James yeah. Butler playing. Yeah, we, didn't, we didn't expect Powell to come in. I was like, where the hell is Schiltzy? Yeah. I mean, both, especially too, like Bo Levi Mitchell, who again, has not looked like the Bo Levi Mitchell that we all know and love. He, he's, he did just based on that first half performance. Like you have to wonder, like, are they really going to go with this guy? Is, is he really truly going to be the one that leads this team to the promised land? If you were to go based on that performance last Saturday, I'd say, no, I'd say <laughs> if you, yeah. if you want to have any hope of winning the, uh, the Eastern semifinal, you better go with uh, Schiltze because Schiltze has won games. Schiltze has been an absolutely fantastic quarterback this season. And, you know, we, we've known, we've known that for years, what he's been capable of doing. And we're I think now finally the rest of the league is caught on and realized, Oh yeah, this, this kid Schiltz is pretty damn good. And truthfully, I, I, I was very surprised not to see him even get a little bit of action this past Saturday, but clearly they've got a plan in mind for him. For you know, I, I guess they want to make sure that he doesn't get hurt. He no, nothing risky happens to him because, truthfully, I think that's the horse you're going to bet on. If, if if you expect the Hamilton Tiger Cats to advance onto the Eastern Final, 
it's going to be, as far as I'm concerned, it's going to be done with Matthew Schultz under center. Yeah. Um, so as we mentioned last week, the, the initial team nominees came out for the CFL, uh, the CFL awards for this year. And today, before we started the show, we ended up getting the CFL award nominees, a breaking breakdown, obviously of all the positions with only one player chosen for each of these, like, you know, like it is every year. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, why they just didn't call the East, the East division nominee, just the, the Argo division nominees is beyond me less one. <laughs> um, but, um, you know what, Cliff, go, I would say go ahead and let's just give our, our listeners, uh, a, a taste of, of who was chosen in each for each award in each division. Yeah. All right. Let's start at the top. Uh, for most outstanding player, it's either going to be Brady Oliveira representing the West for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers or Chad Kelly representing the East and the Toronto Argonauts. No surprises there, to tell you the truth. I, I truly think that uh, both of these guys had phenomenal seasons. Uh, they're Obviously, Winnipeg and Toronto are the arguably the two best teams in the Canadian Football League, so it's probably no surprise that their best player was going to end up being the nominee for each division. Uh, I mean, what more can you say about either of these guys, really? I mean, they're, they're, they're both fantastic players. Uh, Chad Kelly has really, really impressed a lot of people. And he's he, he said a lot of things uh, in the offseason that probably turned a lot of people off of him. But he's backed, uh, he's backed up his swag, if you will, with mm-hmm. some pretty outstanding football play. I mean, there, there's simply no question. Like He has proven that he can be the guy in, in Toronto and answer the call every time. And simply put, the Argos are 16-2 and two this year. And... Essentially, that is because of how well Chad Kelly has played football under center for the uh, Argonauts this year. Whereas Brady Oliveira, this dude's on fire, like truly on fire. Like he's really been a force of nature for for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I mean, to the point where they felt comfortable letting Winnipeg legend Andrew Harris walk in free agency uh, two years ago. And yeah, Andrew Harris did go to the Argos and win a great cup with them last year, beating those same Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but just take a look at what Brady Oliveira has been able to do this year. And the guy is absolutely sensational and just keeps on going too. That's the other thing. Like the, this team runs no pun intended on Brady Oliveira. So seeing those two names. Yeah, definitely not a surprise at all. Uh, next up is most outstanding defensive player, uh, Matsir Betts for the BC Lions representing the West versus Adarius Pickett representing the East for the Toronto Argonauts. Interesting, former Montreal Alouette mm-hmm. Adarius Pickett, mm-hmm. who signed with the Argos in the uh, in uh, free agency last year. Uh, once again, uh, Matsir Betts uh, has been setting all kinds of uh, sack records for the uh, for the Canadian Football League for the BC Lions, like. You know, it's just been a, a beast. Simply put, a beast for the BC Lions. Uh, definitely one of the main reasons why they are where they are in the playoffs. Uh, he's been outstanding, without question. Uh, Darius Pickett, uh, he, he too. I mean, that's the thing. Toronto's defense this year has been pretty sensational. They, they've really 
made life hell for a lot of teams, the Montreal Alouettes included. And Pickett is just one of those guys that just always seems to be around, always causing havoc for opposing uh, offenses. And yeah, I look at this award too, and I think if I had to pick one, yeah, I, I would probably go with Betts because he's just been that guy. And like Pickett's been good. I'm, I'm, I'm just like when I think about the Toronto defense, like there's been so many other players that have been outstanding as well that you almost wouldn't be surprised to see them, but. Pickett seems to be the, uh, I, I guess they figure, okay, well, we got to pick somebody, so l- let's go with Pickett, I suppose. And <laughs> and the voters agree. So, <laughs> uh, Next up, most outstanding Canadian. Uh, th- this one's hilarious. It's Brady Oliveira representing the West versus Montreal Alouettes superstar, hashtag Decoiau, Mark Antoine Decoiau. Mm-hmm. This is almost, this is almost unfair. Because, yeah, Marc-Antoine Decoy has had a phenomenal season for the Montreal Alouettes. You could have even put him in the, the argument for most outstanding defensive player as well. But most outstanding Canadian, he was the unanimous selection by the Alouettes. And uh, the, the voters agree that, yeah, Decoy has had himself one hell of a season. Yeah. Uh, with his uh, pick sixes, uh, interceptions galore, uh, just the, the uh, heat-seeking missile that he's been uh, – he, he's been all over the place. He's been, he, his play has improved dramatically this year and definitely is well deserving of the award. Uh, but Brady Oliveira, for all the same reasons that I listed before, I mean, I, I just don't see how you couldn't vote for him as well. I mean, that's, that's the tough part. You, yeah, like any other year, I think, uh, with, with the campaign that, uh, Mark Antoine DeCroix had this year, he would have been a winner hands down, but put him up against Brady Oliveira and, Kind of like uh, last year when it was Dalton Sean versus Tyson Philpot for the yeah uh, yeah the most outstanding rookie. It's like, h- how do you vote against the guy who led the league in receiving yards and uh, and being a rookie no less? So the the fact that the uh, Philpot actually got two votes like pissed off a lot of the voters. Actually, they're like, how 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 do you do that? So like, I I, I look at this here and I. I, I hate to say it, and I feel bad for De, for Decoy, but I think Oliveira wins this one unanimously. I, th- I think this will be a landslide victory for him. Next up is most outstanding offensive lineman, uh, Jamarcus Hardrick for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers versus Dijon Allen for the Toronto Argonauts. So once again, the two best teams in the league are represented here, the Blue Bombers and the Argos. Uh, kind of funny though, because uh, normally Stanley Bryant, who has been the most outstanding offensive lineman for a number of occasions for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I guess decided you know maybe uh, let someone else have the have the glory for the Blue Bombers. <laughs> and, okay, we got to pick somebody, so let's go with uh, Hardrick. Yeah, that, that that works. And same thing with John John Allen. Uh, yeah, the, this uh, Argos offensive line has done a great job letting uh, Chad Kelly do his thing, and. Uh, Leading uh, uh, AJ Olette and Andrew Harris run rough shot over teams as well, so they're doing all doing a great job creating opportunities for these guys to shine. Uh, I guess once again it was just a matter of okay, got to pick somebody, so uh, let's go with uh, you. And yeah, I mean that's 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 just how it is sometimes. <laughs> Next up, most outstanding special teams player. This one's interesting. Uh, Sean White former Montreal Alouette, currently playing for the BC Lions, who will be representing the West, versus Javon Leak. Once again, 
representing the East for the Toronto Argonauts. Seeing a theme here, right? No. Again, when it comes to special teams, it's one of two things, either outstanding kicking or outstanding returns. Both of those are co- both those areas are covered by each of these individuals. Sean White, I mean, we we've known what he's been able to do for years and years. Uh, again, so disappointing that the Alouettes didn't keep him because look what he's been able to do. since leaving the Alouettes. He's won a Grey Cup. He he's set Ironman streaks. He he's done outstanding work. Being able to go back home, he's from White Rock, BC. Be able to go back and play for the hometown team to essentially finish his career there. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even though it's it's hard to believe, but he's not a young man anymore. But still, this year he has put together the most outstanding campaign as far as kickers go. He has been money day in and day out. He he he's done everything that's been asked of him, and he rarely misses. That's something else that is just hard to fathom. Just because you know kickers. I mean, you just. You live by the kicker, you die by the kicker in the Canadian Football League, it seems, at times. And if you've got Sean White in your lineup, more often than not, that ball's going through the uprights. So he's just been outstanding this year in every sense of the word. So that's that's not a surprise there. Javon Leak, this guy, all he seems to do is return touchdowns or return kicks for touchdowns, whether it's punt return, kick return, you name it. The ball's in this guy's hands. He's like... He's like his uh, boss, Pinball. He was just able to take it to the house <laughs> and just look outstanding in the process. And a lot of the reason why Toronto is 16-2 and two is because they dominate all three aspects of the football, offense, defense, special teams. And their special teams this year, led by former Montreal wet coach Mickey Donovan, has simply been outstanding when it comes to returns. Like he, He's just done this thing, Leak. He, is, he just keeps returning these touchdowns. At, at, at an alarming rate, practically. So, this is going to be a fun one as well. But, I mean, if I if I had to vote, and I should get a vote, you know, that's just my opinion. <laughs> you got to go with Sean White. I mean, as exciting as it is to watch a, a a punt or kick return for a touchdown, is the work that Sean White has done this year for the BC Lions has been nothing short of phenomenal. Right. And no. last but certainly not least, and one the one that really kind of irks me and I'll, I'll explain why grinds our Most gears uh, grinds our gears just a little bit at most outstanding rookie you've got representing the west kai gray of the edmonton elks versus quantes stiggers of wait for it the toronto argonauts now I'm disappointed mostly because Reggie Stubblefield was the Alouette's nominee for most outstanding player. And we truly believed that he was going to get the nod. He was going to be the Eastern nominee because yes, Quantas Stiggers did have a very, very solid year this year for the Argos. I mean, again, when we talk about this Argos defense, they've been absolutely outstanding. And he's been one of those guys that you could have almost made the, the, the argument for him as most outstanding defensive player. Yeah. But I mean, for what Reggie was able to do this year, I thought that would have been more than enough to convince voters that, yeah, this kid deserves the opportunity. Just for his story alone should have been the Eastern nominee. But clearly the voters felt differently and decided, let's just keep this Toronto Argonauts party going and uh, we're going to give the nod to Stiggers. And Think of it, and all, uh, my thought is this. Look what happened last year when, when it came from Tamari Alford. He was traded. He was traded and won his award last year yep 
Reggie didn't play all the games, yes, but look at the story. And unfortunately, they don't look at the story. They probably just look at the damn stats. You know, unfortunately, that, that, that's what awards are. They just look at the damn stats. Often, more often than not, or it's a popularity contest. and That too. And again, in, in that case, that explains why all but one of the award winner, or the award nominees are in the East are Toronto Argonauts because yes, they went sixteen and two. Obviously, they've got a fantastic football team. They're just, they're just they're just trying more. to appease our Bell overlords. <laughs> could be, could be, but <laughs> I, I, it's disappointing. Or I, I think we're just more disappointed for Reggie yeah. because he definitely deserves the nod, especially we've talked about his story numerous times. We had him on the podcast to talk about it as well. I mean, like there's no question in my mind that this guy absolutely should have been the nominee and win the whole damn thing. But mm-hmm. unfortunately the voters, you know, whether it's a, a Toronto bias or, or, or what have you, or just, you know, a winning bias really, because you know, I'd love to look at the, I'd love to, I would love to look at the, the breakdown, but we're, we'll never see it. But I would love to look at the breakdown. Yeah. And see if Reggie again, even even got a vote. I I sincerely hope so. I, I again just knowing his story being what it is. I mean, I looked at the other rookie nominees and like no offense to them because yeah, they, everybody who, who's nominated obviously deserved to be. But and as I said, Stickers too has ha, had himself a hell of a year too. There's no question mm-hmm. about that. But like you you look at the overall picture and and what what makes this award like when it comes to being outstanding, that's exactly what Reggie Stubblefield was for the Alouettes this year. And as far as I'm concerned, it should have translated to the rest of the league, but maybe it was just happened a little too late. Like maybe he really did come alive just a little too late in the season. Maybe I, I, I suppose you can say that whereas stickers has been pretty solid throughout the entire year. And maybe that's, maybe that's what it was more than anything else. And if that's the case, then so be it. But it's, it's disappointing for us because we definitely think the world of Reggie and definitely think he should have gotten the nod, but it is what it is. Uh, now, Kai Gray, uh, you know, it, it's kind of funny because, I mean, Edmonton didn't have a whole lot of highlight-worthy stuff this year, but uh, uh, everything I've been told about this young man is he he comes in with that uh, blue-collar mentality. Like, he, he just gets to work. And you think about the Elks secondary and – you know they've they've had some stars out there and they've they've been able to do some pretty decent things especially towards the end when they finally got their act together they were doing some good stuff and for Gray to be nominated definitely speaks volumes to how hard that they've been working out there in Edmonton so gotta give him credit for that um, although once again I I think Stiggers just has the the edge one because Toronto was so damn good and Edmonton was not and honestly I. I, I can't help but think that that's how it's going to go this year. Is I, I, I mean, we could be seeing like almost a clean sweep of Argo players winning these awards, except for of course uh, most outstanding Canadian and most outstanding player. Because I truly think that's where Brady Oliveira is just going. He's going to he's going to clean up this at the, the CFL awards this year. That's my thought, but I, I just got a feeling with with what he was able to do this year. And it's, and it's well worth it. He's it's well merited for for Oliveira, but that's just where I see things going. It's just it's just incredible to me to see that it's got such a heavy Winnipeg slash Toronto flavor to these awards. And it's can, can we just guess, throw in can, just let's throw in the word bias? You can't help it. I'm, but again, 
when you got the two best teams in there, yeah, it's understandable. No, but, but yeah, we've they're... seen it. But we've seen it before in years past, though, Cliffy, where it's not necessarily. It's been the best player. Well, you that's it. I mean? like, and that's it. And it doesn't you can make it our... the best team. I mean, and look at head coach. Uh, too. A little bit of, you know. Jason yeah, Moss should, should again, like I said at the beginning of the show, Jason Moss I think should have been some part of this. Yes, I understand why Dinwiddie went sixteen and two. Okay, but that is outstanding. <laughs> yes, but who had? It's it's a you know, people are saying, well, Tim, you're you're on crack. Sixteen wins. You know, Al's Al's had had eleven. Yes, but again, it goes to the it goes to the, like thing with Stubblefield. It's the story too. Look what Toronto had. Look what Montreal had. And what Jason Moss was able to do. Yeah. You know? And look and what he came in with. I mean, he mm-hmm. left Saskatchewan unceremoniously. Uh, a lot of people thought he was the problem out there. And th- if this year proved nothing else, no, he was not the problem in Saskatchewan. Cody Fajardo Ooh. was not the problem in Saskatchewan. Nope. As they found out. <laughs> so I, I, I would almost say that for that alone, Jason Moss should have been given quite a bit of consideration for coach of the year, but it, it it's kind of hard when your competition does go 16 and two. I get that, but I, I sincerely hope Jason Moss was at least in the conversation for a little bit, because you're right. What, for what he was able to do with this team, with all the extracurriculars, all the, off-season noise and everything like that, and just coming in with the reputation that he's had, he's proven himself to be a very capable head coach. He's proven himself to be a winner and proven himself that, yeah, he he belongs in this league as a, as a head coach and a leader of men, without question. Yeah. It's just unfortunate that, yeah, Ryan, we did, we did go 16-2 and two and won the Great Cup last year. So, I mean, you know. That that is outstanding. Yeah. There, there's there's no question about that. It's just mm-hmm, 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 you know what it is. It, it it felt like everybody wanted to go with the safe choice, and it's not to say it's a bad thing, but I, it would have been nice to see some of these other stories kind of shed some light too. I mean, I, I know even a couple of people were voting for Dustin Crum uh, for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Like he too was thrown in the fire mm-hmm. unexpectedly and did pretty well at first, but then kind of fell back down to earth, which, okay, you know, just Ottawa being the way things were this year, that's just kind of how it is. But, uh, you know, that's the thing. Like there, there's just so many potential stories here that you know, any direction that these awards could have gone, but ultimately what happened was they go with the safe route. They go with, yeah, Toronto and Winnipeg were outstanding. No question. Their players were outstanding. No question. So I guess that's that's the thought. It's like, well, yeah, the, it's called, you know, most outstanding whatever. Yeah. These, these guys were outstanding. Yeah. So yeah. I get it. But at the same time, yeah, just kind of leads to a potential double blue sweep or a blue and gold sweep or something along those lines. But, well, it is what it is, I suppose. Yeah, it is what it is. So the Alouettes head into... Uh, again, he- head into the playoffs this week. Uh, they are playing. It's funny. It, 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 you don't see at least. I didn't really able to check much of of CFL history when I was doing my research, Cliff. But you know, the Owls are playing Hamilton again. 
you know, so they're playing them in back-to-back weeks. One, a game that means nothing, and then a game that means everything. You know, so for only the fourth time in, in Alouette's history, Cliff, uh, they're going to be playing the same opponent in the final week of the regular season and in the Eastern semifinal. Obviously this year, 2007 with Winnipeg, 1981 with Ottawa, and 1965 with Ottawa. Hmm. So it doesn't, even with a nine-team league, it still doesn't happen often. <laughs> no. So I guess there's some, <laughs> I guess there's some sort of parody, I guess we could say. Um, but we also need to think about Jason Mosty. We're just we're just talking about him specifically, dude. You know, Owls have had a pretty good record track record when it comes to getting into the playoffs. You can just go back and check out their history. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Moss himself, I mean, dude, I mean, he, he became the, the franchise's 15th first-year head coach to lead the Owls into the postseason. And here's one set I want people to, to, to remember. Of those 15, only four have reached the Grey Cup, and only two have won. Cliff, do you know which two, two of those are? Uh, one would be Don, the late, great Don Matthews in Correct. 2002. Correct. And I believe the other is Sam Metcheverry. Oh, dude, you got it. Uh, yeah, nineteen seventy. So nice. it's it's you know I, I remember I think somebody was asking about you know what about Tressman? You both you and I corrected him. Uh, the, the the I'm sorry, caller. Um, we we corrected <laughs> him. It was yeah, Tressman didn't get he got into it his first year, but he didn't win. So yeah, and that was um, here in Montreal too, no less. Mm, yeah, so. We're going into the playoffs. I mean, as I said, same team. It's going to be a completely different game. Um, you know, we're trying to get away unscathed with injuries. A lot more is on the line, obviously. We've got a different guys that that, they're, that the Owls are going to be playing up against and vice versa. Um, I, you know, it seems to be the Owls are getting the hometown favorite discount when it comes to the betting line because they're currently three-and-a-half-point favorites as we're as we are taping. Usual hometown bump. Yep. What what are your thoughts going into this game? I mean, we can talk we can talk about the we can talk about the injury report, which I think is still something that needs to be talked about because we're we're in day two of practice of a three day week a three day week of practicing. So, what are your thoughts, dude? I mean, I know we talked about the the the, the preseason game. How different does this semifinal game have to be? for the Alouettes in order them to advance to the Eastern final. I think what you got to remember first and foremost is the Alouettes won the season series and swept the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Won two games in Hamilton, won one game in Montreal. Yes, the game in Montreal was, as we keep talking about, a glorified preseason game. But still, they still had to win that game. They, they still won that game, you know, even if it didn't mean anything in the standings. But the first two games... Montreal went to Hamilton, where the Grey Cup's going to be held this year, by the way. So the Alouettes are already 2-0 and at Tim Hortons Field, and God willing, will go 3-0 and at Tim Hortons Field. <laughs> uh, to me, I think back to the very first game. Uh, Montreal was dominant, looked good. Um, Hamilton was just kind of all over the place. Second game, a bit more of a fight. Like uh, Hamilton mm-hmm. took it, re- really took it to ha- to the Alouettes and really made them work their ass off. It, if it wasn't for the phenomenal fourth quarter that Cody Fajardo and company had, the Ticats could have walked away with that game and probably should have walked away with that game. They, you, 
easily say that they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory in that game. This past Saturday, even though it was a meaningless game, it was still a, a good back and forth tilt. And Hamilton in that first half looked kind of so so, despite Bo Levi Mitchell being in the game and you know, still having a lot of his uh his starters, if you will, in the lineup, it was still very mid at, at best when it came to uh production from Bo Levi and company, but then they, they started figuring things out. And I don't, I won't say necessarily that Montreal took their foot off the pedal, like momentum wise, but they let Hamilton hang around and even crawl back into lead at one point. They can't do that this Saturday. Simply put, like we've seen the best and the worst that this team has been able to offer against the, the Tiger cats. And simply put, I, I hope that they've taken all the best aspects. They, they see where they have been able to dominate, where they have been able to put stuff together and, and just forget about some of the less than favorable decisions they've made throughout uh, those three games. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, they know what to expect out of Hamilton in a lot of ways. Uh, they've they've gone up against Matthew Schultz in one. They've gone up against Bo Levi Mitchell in one. Uh They've seen what this team can do. I mean, I, I, I see like a, a lot of the experts are, are actually expecting Hamilton to pull off the upset. And I can see why, because yes, Hamilton looked terrible in the first half of the season, but they really, really turned things around in the second half. And they've arguably been up there with Montreal as one of the hottest teams in the league, as far as uh, just offensive production, uh, great defense, special teams have been on point. I mean, they really have done a great job. And I can understand why they would be a dark horse pick for a lot of people. But I look at what Montreal has done over the past five games, like when they've really got their act together. Yes, it was all against the lower tier teams, if you will. But they still had to win those games. They still had to do what ne- what was necessary to get the job done, to, to exactly. punch their playoff ticket, to ensure that they were going to be in second place, to ensure that they're going to host the Eastern semifinal. Even though they knew it was going to be against Hamilton, regardless of where they were playing, they still did the things they had to do in order to be in the position where they are. And and I see what Jason Moss and his his crew has done this year. They've been able to get a lot out of their players. They've been able to get, they've been able to put them in a, a position to win. And sometimes it's just about execution. Sometimes they've been able to execute, and sometimes they haven't. Arguably, that 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 four game losing skid against the top tier teams, I think that revealed a lot of this team's character because they were down, they, they didn't look great, but you know what? They never gave up on each other, and I think they realized we've got a good core here. We've got some absolute ballers here. We've got guys that can go out and win. It's just a matter of just executing, and I think they finally figured that out. Even if it was against the lower tier teams, they. They still had to go out and prove themselves. They still had to dominate. They still had to show that they can be that team. And they have. I, I, I truly think Montreal is, is they've got momentum, the big time momentum right now. I, I think this last game, notwithstanding, like felt a little bit, you know, safe because mm-hmm. again, nobody wants to get hurt. Nobody wants to, you also want to reveal all your secrets as well. So that's why you, you see some of the, you know, simple plays and okay fine but maybe you know they didn't look like a dominant team and understandably you understand why maybe with hamilton not playing like matthew schiltz or tim white or james butler like okay 
you didn't have like once those guys are in the lineup, you're going to see a different Hamilton team. Well, I think you're also going to see a different Montreal team as well. Like what you saw this past Saturday is not what you're going to see this coming Saturday. I think, I, I think this team knows what it takes to win. They've shown they're able to do what it takes to win. And truthfully, I, I think we're going to see a different, a more exciting team. I, I think we're going to see a team that's not going to be afraid to pull out all the stops and just do what they've been doing all season and just riding that wave and just making things happen. I I think we're going to see the best version of the Montreal Alouettes on Saturday. And I think Hamilton will give them a fight. There's no question about that in my mind. I think Hamilton will make this a very competitive game. We're not going to see any blowouts. I think this is going to be a very tight competitive game. But I just, I just think Montreal has what it takes to go on. I, I think Montreal has what it takes to beat Hamilton. And even though Jagger Davis is playing for the, the Tiger Cats <laughs> and every year of his professional CFL career, he has gone to the Grey Cup. Whether he wins it or loses it, he goes to the Grey Cup. And yes, Jagger Davis is with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So I can see why a lot of people would want to pick Hamilton just based off of that fact. And supposedly it's a better storyline if Bo Levi is able to do what he was supposed to do and lead this team to the promised land and play in front of the hometown fans in Hamilton. But I think the better story, the more interesting story, is the redemption of Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo after what they went through last year in Saskatchewan, basically leading a brand new team in Montreal. Yeah, rebirth. And doing what they, yep, and doing what it's, they've. It's basically the second rebirth of this team since '96. In my opinion, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's a very fair point. And I think that I, I think with what Montreal has been able to do offensively, defensively, and even on special teams, I, I think they've got what it takes. And I think that they will move on. I, I think that they just being at home, being surrounded by what will be no doubt 20,000 plus of their, mm -hmm. their, their hardcore fans ready for an exciting day of football. I mean, Hamilton will make it a fight. There's no question about that. But I think Montreal just has what it takes. I, I think they are built to win. They are built to compete. And I think they are going to walk out of Percival Wilson Stadium and go to the Eastern Final at BMO Field and take on the Argos. Coach Moss has been, is, seems to be that type where he's been able to to really hammer into the heads of his players you know, especially this year, that it's it's not about looking ahead. And I don't think, you know, usually we've seen these games, Cliffs, in the years past where it seems like, who, what are you doing? Because they never, the Owls never really took advantage of the, of the, you know, the different situations that they were, that they were granted or they were offered based off of where they were uh, in the standings and who they were playing next. And, you know, that chance to, to get one game closer, et cetera, et cetera. But I think, Coach Moss has been able to to just hammer into their heads that you know it is a one and O type of thing. Do not look mm -hmm. ahead. I know, I, you know, I can say without a shadow of doubt, this team was not looking ahead to Toronto. They're looking ahead towards playing the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The, they they saw a vanilla team last week. This will be different. This will be a uh, this will easily be uh, a different Scott Milanovich. <laughs> <laughs> easily for the O line. Uh, for 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 uh, for the offense, and that that potential, you know, the potential um, uh, uh, platooning of quarterbacks, you know, Bo Levi. It was, so it's been rumored 
Bo Levi and Schiltz playing uh, in this game coming up. People need to remember, too, and you, I think you brought up a very good point. Uh, they're playing at home. Personal Molson can get loud. You know, not you know, just not because of the horns, but also because of the fans. Yes. You know, the Owls in their history at home, Cliff, they are, they're 12 and 4. Excuse me, yeah, 12 and 4. And they're 6 and 2 since returning to Montreal in 96. Mm. It bodes well. It bodes well. Things we need to look at, though, and they, they, we're talking about injuries and stuff like that because we've been, if, if you're an Owls fan, you've been keeping a, a sharp eye on the injury reports that come out each week for practice. Uh, each, each week for practice. Um, we're talking about uh, Pierre-Louis Lestage. He hasn't practiced all week. I don't expect him to play. I know you were mentioning that before. You're, you're musing about that. Tyler Richards, same thing, did not, has not practiced all week. Um, and we talked to Reggie White Jr. post game last week, and then he was a. He, he almost made me believe that he wasn't going to play, but he's been a full participant all week. So is Sean Jamison. So is Greg Ellingson. So is Cordell Rogers. And by the way, speaking of those two, and I put those on, this out on social cliff. There was a and the. the and, uh, you know, I got flack saying, well, you know, the six game doesn't count. It's different in the playoffs. Why Why would the league specifically say that Greg Ellingson and Cordell Rogers have come off the sixth game? And they're eligible to play. I mean, we'll just, we'll find out what their status is coming up. I don't think, I don't think Greg will, will be a starter. I don't, I think he'll be a healthy scratch. Um, yeah. Cordell Rogers, on the other hand, we'll see. You know, Avery Ellis is full. Amanda, Amando Sewell, you know, because we know he was off last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, KJG, we know he's, he's been gone for the year, even though they keep listing him. Uh, Zach Lindley, dude, the poor guy. I mean, still still issues uh, listed as head. Uh-huh. You know, Bryce uh, Bryce Notary, shoulder full. Uh, Walter Fletcher today was actually a limited, but I don't know what that means. Uh, Jay Cardi and Jesse Gibson. So, I mean, it's... We have the the core of our guys back, less a few. But as we've done every game this year, Cliff, we have found a way to insert somebody to take over a spot where a player has gotten hurt. And I see that happening again. I, I they will they will put together a great game plan. And this this game's going to be fun. It's going to be loud. It's going to be ruckus. And I, I, I too expect the Owls to, uh, to move on to the Eastern Final. So yeah, it's it's not going to be easy. There's no question no, about that. I mean, no, it is not. Especially, truthfully, if I were the Tiger Cats, and again, no disrespect to Bo Levi Mitchell, but he has not been the same Bo Levi that we've we've known all these years. I, I think if you are truly serious about winning this game, it's going to come as a result of Matt Schiltz being under center. He is. He has proven to be that guy, and if anyone is going to give Montreal fits, it's a guy that knows the system. It's a guy that who he's been here, and he got playing time last year in the Eastern Semifinal. And we all remember how he got rocked by Tyrese Beverett. I mean, mm-hmm. towards the end of the game, but I think he remembers that too, and I'm sure he's going to want to exact some revenge as well. Uh, but I mean. If, if Schultz is given the chance, like we and we've been seeing this towards the 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 latter part of the season, like 
Schiltz comes in and he finds his receivers and he gets, you know, moving the chains. I mean, he, he is absolutely dangerous. He really is. Like more so, I think, truthfully, than what Bo Levi Mitchell is. I, I mean, again, I, I give him all the respect in the world for what he's been able to accomplish in the Canadian Football League, but I hate to say it, but I, I think Bo just isn't that guy anymore. He's not the, the fact that he's not the clear cut starter, I think speaks volumes. I, I think it's kind of a saving face thing to have this quarterback by platoon thing. I mean, but truthfully, Matthew Schultz has proven that he can be that guy. And if the Tiger Cats win this game, I'll go ahead and say it. It'll be because Matthew Schultz is playing quarterback and leading this team to victory. Mm -hmm. It'll be, it'll be a great game. Uh, obviously if you haven't got tickets, um, Hey, we would, I'm sure the team and other fans and supporters would love to see you there with at personal Molson, uh, expect to see Cliff and myself post game from somewhere at personal Molson stadium for flight deck live. Mm -hmm. Um, the last and, one at Percival Molson Stadium, and hopefully not the last one of mm -hmm. 2023. We we are hoping to be able to go to the Eastern Final at BMO Field. We just hope the Alouettes will be joining us. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's that's the hope, anyways. <laughs> yeah. So um, again, en enjoy the game, everybody. Right now, they're saying it's about nine degrees and sunny for kickoff on Saturday. Remember, the game does start at 3 p.m. Mm -hmm. On Saturday, uh, make that clear. Exactly, on Saturday. So, again, it should be fun. And uh, obviously, we'll be back here next Wednesday to talk to you guys. Uh, uh, good and bad, no matter what happens within the, within the, with this uh, uh, with this, this game this Saturday. But uh, uh, that's one thing you can count on, is, is us being here next week. So, uh, mm -hmm. Cliff, I will see you at Percival on Saturday. Last tailgate of the year, too, because they are going to have one. And... With the team announcing, there are going to be some alumni there. So everybody take advantage of that before kickoff. Uh, so yes. for, yep. So for everybody here at the Alice Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Ron, final approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.